Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. What a treat this week for you guys and for me. We're together. It's probably the second or third podcast we've ever recorded together, but I'm in London, so having a nice time. Paddy has chosen to take the angle here, so he looks a lot larger than me. I'm actually six foot six. He's six foot five. <laughs> but seriously, I look really short. I'm not actually the short, I promise. You are. You're only like... 5'11? Six foot. Six foot and, and, and a bit. Actually. That's what everyone who's 5'11 no, says. No, I no, I am actually not one of those. I'm I think I'm 183.2 centimeters, which gives me 0.7 of a centimeter above the six foot. Right. I just tell everyone I'm six two because then everyone freaks out. Mm. Like, oh you you're 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 not six two, you must be at least like a six six eight six Because <laughs> everyone wants to be fucking six foot for some odd arbitrary reason. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that shit. We are here to basically, I suppose, wrap up this training series. Yes. <clears throat> and the way we're going to do that is by going through our goals, our program, our, you know, all this stuff. We might even do an episode after this episode and um, where we go through like health stuff. You know, we'll keep this episode strictly, you know, training related. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> sorry, I have a cough or something. <clears throat> Um, can't taste as well it's weird um but uh yeah so we will go through the training stuff in this episode and then in the next episode we might go through health stuff we'll plan to see what the story is see what we got covered here but i basically want to wrap up the training series and give you uh not necessarily a blow by blow of like this is how you go through everything because look we have an education portal where we talk about this stuff and we coach people like there's a lot that goes into this right but i want to give you some sort of overview so that you can go away from everything we have discussed in the last few episodes and go okay this is what they've been talking about this is how they're applying it in a kind of overview top-down type of way how can you take from that and then start applying this stuff to your you know program design so the first thing we need to cover today is goals because you remember back in this series the first thing we covered was goal setting right so you need to have your goals clear you need to be very precise in terms of what are you actually trying to achieve like you can't just say oh i'm trying to be bigger like yeah that is a goal but we need to be specific with that what does that actually mean are you going to be happy if you're bigger and you i don't know weigh 10 kilos of fat extra you know that's bigger you got bigger but is that what you were looking for right were you looking for two kilos of muscle extra right like what are we actually aiming towards so we're gonna go through our goals and then we're going to get into a little bit of you know designing the the basis or the basics of our actual program like how we're kind of setting things up and um, from like resistance training cardiovascular training and then obviously it applies to both of us as you'll find out like brazilian jiu-jitsu training right so that's how we're going to go through it there's a few other things that we have to cover at the end of that we might not get to them we might depends on how long this takes um but we want to talk about like assessing the outcomes like how do we know we're actually getting better at like what we're trying to do right so to start it off gary what are your goals with training with you know we'll call it the fitness side of health and fitness mm. yeah so my, i guess my primary goal currently is to get better at jiu-jitsu and i know that that's not something that may be immediately relatable to a lot of listeners but it is something that you can get a lot of i guess transferable training principles and understanding from because effectively I'm in the position where I think a lot of other people would be where I'm not necessarily training to maximize my strength and muscle. Like, yes. Wait, we should probably just preface this or preface it. I never know which way to say it. Um, 
but you also have about 10 years yeah. of lifting experience already. You know, I'm about 15, so mm-hmm. I'm still this skinny after 15 years. You're still this skinny after 10 years. Yep. So obviously we're resistance training, non-responders. Um, so <laughs> especially you, yeah. um, but that is, you know, the context we're going into this with. Yeah. And I think like when it's very easy to get kind of lost in the world of fitness, because I, I came into fitness and still consume a lot of content related to bodybuilding powerlifting people who basically specialize in strength training of some sport some sorts and that's still what i'm very interested in but it's not necessarily my own goal as such you know so i would still you know go on instagram and look at people like you know jordan peters or other people who are ridiculously big and strong and think oh that's really impressive but it's not necessarily my own goal it's motivating but it's not like the, the thing you want to do exactly and one of the things that that i found recently probably in the last year is that like when i look at myself can like compared to when i look at my goal and i, I say right i want to get better at jujitsu and i think okay how strong do i need to be i actually end up with the conclusion that i'm actually really strong <laughs> and that sounds silly because like i don't have particularly impressive numbers in that realm of strength training but when you compare my level of strength to that of other um, jiu-jitsu athletes around my waist or in my club like I definitely have a surplus of strength like would be in the higher um, percentiles there of course you're going to find the odd person who's stronger but it's 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 quite rare you know so and, and it's not like I have any crazy numbers like I think you know I've box squatted which doesn't really count you know 200 kilos or so my heaviest kind of full squat might have been around the 160 to 170 range something around there so not particularly impressive but definitely a far above and beyond what you would require for jiu-jitsu you know it's not like you need that much lower body strength um and then obviously the upper body similar story like i can you know get close to one and a half times body weight bench which is a fairly decent standard and then i look towards my training and think how much should i actually be lifting you know, should I be lifting six times a week, like some of my bodybuilding friends, you know, no, or what you potentially used to do. Yeah. What I used to do. Not really. And sometimes I end up with this kind of feeling of guilt that, oh, you know, I only lifted twice or three times this week. Is that enough? But the reality is that it is because it's more than enough for me to be able to maintain what I have and maybe make some incremental progress forward in some areas of strength. So if I was to kind of use my bar of my my standard as that way in which I used to train, it wouldn't be a fair comparison because it's, it's just not the same situation. So for me, it then causes me to ask the question, what other components of fitness are there? You know, so let's say I've got enough strength and muscle for my size within my sport. Same for a lot of field sports athletes. They'll do a lot of strength training and they might already be in a position where getting any stronger isn't going to benefit their sport. So then it would cause me to ask, you know, what about my fitness? You know, are there, are there areas of my cardiorespiratory fitness, which I could improve on? And on average, again, I would say that my level of, of cardio in the aerobic domain would be above average more than I would require really for my level. You know, it's still beneficial to have more, um, especially in jujitsu, because effectively the fitter you are, the easier it is to carry out the skills that you've learned in a more fatigued state. 
And there's a nice interplay there between the skill that you've developed and the fitness that you have. If you've got more skill, then it's, you know, you've just got a, a higher um, level of reserve, even if you are super fatigued. But if you're someone like me, who's only been training jujitsu for a few years, then obviously you've only got so much skill. Like you don't have the level of a black belt, obviously. So I, you know, I end up using a bit more of my fitness probably if I'm competing, if I'm training with some of those higher level skill competitors. So I think fitness is something that you can probably take to a higher level. And by fitness, I mean, cardiorespiratory fitness, you can take that to a higher level and still benefit. So that's something that I would continue to try and exploit. But one thing that I guess maybe I wouldn't have as high level of um, would be something like anaerobic fitness, because that's something that can decay quite quickly. It's something that, you know, it's a bit harder to gauge where you're at. But I think that doing things like intervals, lactic intervals, if you will, that's something I could still probably improve on. It's probably a little bit below the level of my baseline aerobic fitness. So there are some of the primary fitness characteristics that I would think about. And obviously there's no point in discussing the details of jujitsu training. You know, I show up to class, I do what the coach teaches, I go to open mats and I work on things that I want to work on and the gains come, you know, because I'm at that stage in jujitsu where I'm effectively the newbie lifter. You know, when you're early on in your lifting career, you're going into each session and you're lifting more weight, you know, and you're expecting week to week, month to month to continuously see more weight on the bar. That's where I'm at with jujitsu, where I would expect that each week, each month, I'm learning something new. There's something I'm getting better at. There's weaknesses I'm addressing, and that will probably continue for a number of years yet. That will slow down eventually. But for now, I'm in that kind of newbie phase. So I don't have to think too much about the specifics show up, put in the work and be consistent. And that's probably enough there. So for me, that that's the bit, the basis of my training is showing up to jujitsu and doing those sessions, maybe somewhere between four and six times per week, depending on the week, probably four or five on average, and then getting in my resistance training two to three times per week, sometimes as many as four, sometimes as little as one, depending on the week. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk through like ideal, like what's, yeah. the, what's the best, you know, training scenario for you when we get to the, the actual like program mm-hmm. design, let's say. What are your goals? Well, very similar. Um, I come from a background of boxing. So like when I got into training, like you said, you got into a purely for the bodybuilding side of things. Like yeah. I kind of did because I wanted to be bigger. You know, I wanted to be stronger as well. Um, so I came from a little bit of a different background, but again, coming with the context of like, oh, I used to box, box for like whatever, 10 years or something. Um, it changes things a little bit in terms of my focus, like throughout the whole training process, whatever the 15 years that I've been resistance training, like I did always want to be somewhat athletic. Like it was something I always wanted to build upon. Um, now that might not have always been reflected in my actual program design, but as of right now, again, like I have 15 years or so of resistance training experience. I'm right now, I'm as strong as I've ever been, like even at heavier weights. Um, I'm fit, I'm you know, somewhat athletic. So my goals have somewhat changed because I don't think, like, realistically, I'm going to gain 10 kilos extra of muscle mm-hmm. or 20 kilos. Like, it's not like I have a huge amount to gain. Like, right now, I weigh about 101 102 kilos and as we discussed at the start of the episode like i'm like 195 centimeters so like that's a relatively good weight you know however my goals 
are to actually gain a little bit more muscle, right? That's my actual primary goal. Because I'm at roughly, if I get lean net, right? If I get like really lean, I'm probably somewhere around the 85, 87 kilo mark. And that's like, not like you know, bodybuilding competitor lean, but that's like veins on my abs lean, yeah. right? So I kind of want to, there's a 92 kilo class in jujitsu. So I'm kind of like, look, in my mind, I'm like, why don't I try to be as muscular and as lean as possible at that 92 kilo class? That's my kind of like top end, whatever goal, you know? And um, so that's only realistically about another, we'll say five kilos of actual muscle to put up, which is you know, fair going, especially if you've been training for 15 years, right? So I have five kilos of muscle to gain. So I am 30 in January, right? So in my mind, I'm like, look, we have until I'm about 35. That's when I'm like, look, if I haven't got to that big or whatever by 35, I'm just going to, you know, give up on that goal. That goal is just not achievable. It maybe becomes a very much a background goal, right? So that's the first thing I want people to be thinking about that. I have a time horizon right here now of the next five years and, and a bit, right? So by 35, I'm like, look, I want to weigh 92 kilos, absolutely fucking shredded out of my mind, <laughs> right? So that's kind of the goal. Now, in that timeline, I'm like, look, I already know how to box. I already know, like, that's, I have that skill. Gary, you have no fucking skills. <laughs> so Very I, I, in my mind, I'm like, look, I don't actually have as much of an impetus to be really hyper-focused on jujitsu, right? I already have the, we'll call it the uh, mindset, if you will. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I know what I need to focus on. Like, you're still learning that because you, you don't have the, the context of a different martial art. So yeah. I'm like, I know what I have to focus on to be better and like right now in jujitsu it's just i want to become untappable right i want to be like frustrate the fuck out of people when they're trying to do anything to me right because ultimately i think that's the best approach it's basically the floyd mayweather approach just fucking dance around avoid getting you know touched even and then when people get frustrated or tired that's when you fucking strike right so that's my kind of approach to jujitsu i'm like i want to be able to do all the submissions yeah that's cool that's obviously the the point of it but I want to become untappable. I want people to be like, you are the most fucking frustrating person to roll with because they can't get anything off. And I don't want to just be that in the, the case of like, oh, I just like lay there. You know, you see people like literally just like, obviously like I'm a hundred whatever kilos. Like if I'm on top of you, even if you're in a similar weight class, like it's still a hundred kilos laying on top of you. I don't want to be like that. I want to be actually like doing stuff, right? So my goals are to get better at jujitsu, right? I want to be black belch, you know, I want to be a black belt, right? Because obviously that's a goal, you know, in jujitsu, I'm a blue belt, obviously right now. And so that's another, let's say eight to 10 years of training, yeah. right? So again, my time horizon for that is the next 10 years. I don't really care about whether I get good at it in the next two years, three years, five years, because ultimately I'm like, look, realistically, if I'm going to rely on any self-defense stuff, I'm going to box someone because yeah. I already have that skill, <laughs> right? So I'm not going to be like, right, I'm going to pull guard here and like, you know, do some shit. Now, obviously very valuable skills, um, but you, you get the idea, right? So for me, this leaves me in a position where I have kind of two conflicting goals where I'm like, I want to get bigger, which isn't necessarily great for jujitsu. Like you have to do a, little, a lot of like cardiovascular training to be good at jujitsu in terms of like the actual jujitsu sessions, our skill-based sessions and cardiovascularly somewhat intensive depending on the actual session, right? So they're not really perfectly meshable goals they kind of are and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second right so my goals as of right now are to get bigger but and we'll probably talk about it in the next episode i also want to live till i'm about 120 mm -hmm. right and tall people don't generally live as long as shorter people or 
normal height people, right? So that's already in my mind um, that I want to be like, okay, well, I want to be at least the longest living tall person. <laughs> um, so I want to, I, all of the stuff that I'm focusing on, all my goals are prefaced against the fact that I want to be healthy. So if we were to like rank my goals here, it basically goes, I want to be healthy. That's my number one goal. I want to be in the best health I possibly can be in, or at least maintain the best health that I possibly can, while also focusing on my secondary goal, which is to get a little bit bigger, right? And then my tertiary tertiary goal is to get better at jujitsu. And that's the kind of rank order of them, right? And that's important to understand because, again, when we're goal setting, we want to know what's more important than the other. Like you could say, oh, I want to get stronger. I want to get fitter. I want to get better at jujitsu. But if you don't know which is the most important for you, you're not going to make good training decisions. You're not going to make good program design decisions because you're going to be like, oh, I need to focus on this. I need to focus on that and this and that and that. And like, what happens if you're supposed to have, I don't know, two training sessions a day or five training sessions a week. And you're like, oh, actually something has come up. So I can't get those sessions. How do you prioritize which ones you're going to get rid of? Right. Like you need to know that stuff, right? You need to have some sort of rank order of importance of your actual goals. Right. So they would be my goals. I want to get as healthy as possible, or at least maintain as much health as possible. I want to, you know, get bigger in the next, whatever, five years. And then I want to get to be a black belt in jujitsu. And so they're the way my goals are kind of set out. And that's obviously going to be reflected in my actual program design. Now, as you mentioned earlier on, you're like, oh, well, you know, you want to get fit and you want to get strong, but I'm in a very similar position where my strength, like it's, it's actually above average for a lifter. Right. So like I, it's definitely above average for someone that's doing jujitsu. Like I've never been at a strength deficit, even with like heavier lifters than me. Like it's just never been a problem. Right. So I don't need to focus on that as much. However, to get bigger, generally you need to kind of get stronger, especially in that kind of, we'll say eight to 15 or six to 15 rep range. Mm -hmm. Right. So I need to get stronger, even though I have, uh, strength surplus for my goals, right? Like being healthier, getting even stronger is probably not as beneficial for my health. It's probably not contributing to it. In fact, it's probably, you know, taken away from it to some degree because I'm potentially opening myself up to injury by lifting these heavy weights. Like literally I go into the gym and I'm doing like RDLs with like 240 kilos. Like that's not exactly conducive to the best, I'll say spinal health, yeah. like <laughs> long-term, right? So and that is something to be aware of that I am compromising on that somehow in some ways, but I'm okay with that trade-off because it's not a huge trade-off in my eyes, right? Now, maybe when I'm 60 and I'm fucking hobbling around or something, I'd be like, really wish I fucking didn't do that. But ideally that won't happen, right? So I need to get stronger to facilitate my um, getting bigger goals, right? Fitness-wise, I need to get fitter to be better at jiu-jitsu like i don't want to ever be fatigued like right now i have you know relatively good cardiovascular fitness like i have a resting heart rate of like 45 which i would consider quite good like when i'm lean and and you know doing a lot more aerobic activities like it gets down to like 40 i know yours gets down to like 35 yeah mine is just very dead. responsive to changes in nutrition <laughs> yeah so like i could focus more on fitness but it's already again it's out of surplus even like you're saying like more anaerobic fitness and we'll talk about this in a second, like in all of my resistance training sessions, I do some anaerobic conditioning at the end of those sessions because I don't need to really focus on it because I already have a good anaerobic fitness. Again, from potentially from my background in a somewhat anaerobic sport um, and because I, I focus on it for the last at least three or four years. Um, 
So for me, that's not a huge component. Doing some cardiovascular conditioning in terms of anaerobic conditioning and in terms of aerobic conditioning does, however, contribute to my Brazilian jiu-jitsu goals and my health goals. But it probably detracts a little bit from my getting fucking massive goals, right? So as you can see here, when you actually sit down and you go through your goals, there is a bit of a, a complex web that goes on where we're kind of like, these are competing, these are synergistic, and you know, like how are you going to organize all of this to achieve all of these seemingly you know divergent goals, right? And that's what we want to go through in this kind of like program design stuff, right? So anyway, there are my goals. What's next, Gary? How do we design a program, right? So we're going for you. What's your ideal week? You go, okay, I have my goals. Someone has come to you. They give you their goals exactly like you said. They're like, I want to get better at jujitsu. That's my main goal. I have a strength surplus, but, you know, I want to at least maintain that. We'll call it gain tain. Anyone who says main gain, they're gone. Get out. Leave. Shocking. Gain tain. Anyway, you want to at least gain tain, right? So how do you set up your training program right you also want to build a bit more anaerobic conditioning potentially because you know you say there's a little bit of a deficit there you know you could definitely be better at it like we could all be always yeah there's always more to have and um, but how are you designing your program and what's the ideal week for you right so obviously you said whatever four to six jujitsu sessions again obviously you have a busy schedule yeah you know, let's just say always, four yeah we'll just say a baseline of four with a, a happy fifth yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's let's say around four sessions of jiu-jitsu per week. I think for me, if I can get three decent quality strength sessions, like I'm delighted. You know, I think that's a, a really solid week for me. And the way I like to kind of set up my training, and I've probably deviated back towards this. I was doing a lot of um either well, to be honest, probably mainly full body sessions for a while. Um but I shifted back towards more of kind of a push pull legs approach. So like basically just, you know, chest, shoulders, triceps one day, then got your back work, biceps, maybe some posterior shoulder work and then legs on the third day. Um, I find that to be the best approach for me personally, um, because it means I can just go in, focus on those sessions, get all that volume done um, to a high quality and not worry about it. Then if I miss a full body you know, session, because that's what was happening is that I do a full body session and then maybe I would have a jujitsu session the next day. And those two kind of doses of whole body fatigue would basically compound each other. And then the next training day, I was supposed to go in and lift weights again. And then I'd be thinking, oh, you know, I'm still not recovered from my squats. I don't know if I can deadlift and so on. Whereas for me with the push pull legs approach, if I do, you know, my chest, my shoulders, my triceps on a Monday and I do jujitsu as well, yeah, my chest, shoulders, and triceps might be super fatigued still on Tuesday or Wednesday, but I can go in and I can do pull work fine. You know, I can do my pull downs, I can do my rows, and it's no issue, or I can do my leg work and it's no issue. So that's probably something I've changed my mind on recently. I did think that full body approaches were a bit better, and they are for many people. Uh, but for me, I found and that they would they would work. Say, for example, if you had a and your say your week was Monday was a training day, Wednesday was a training day, Friday was a training mm -hmm. day. You only did jujitsu three times per week. You did resistance training on those same days and you basically destroy your whole body yeah. on each of those days, but then you have four days of recovery. It can work quite well then. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Just Which is important to understand because when we always talk about training, we always talk about the training side of things. We already talked about the recovery side of things, yeah. which is probably more important. Yeah. Like for me, my schedule is just super messy. 
very unpredictable and there's often things that come up in the days that I have more time like for example I'm in London this weekend I'm going to Tenerife in a few weeks then it's going to be um, Christmas there's just a lot of things that kind of end up taking my weekends or my free days yeah, like especially because you're doing medicine yeah. you have a business to run like obviously like I do a lot of the day-to-day stuff but there's still stuff that I'm like, Gary, you need to do this mm-hmm. today. You know, you need to get in contact with this person today or you need to do whatever it is today. Or we'll have like, as we always do, have lots of projects going on yeah. in the background. And I'll be like, Gary, this needs to be completed this week or next week. So you would have had like, oh, I have a you know training session planned here. That gets interrupted. Or in college or whatever, you might be like, oh, no, actually, they just decided to spring a test on us next yeah. week. Or, you know, I have to stay later in this whatever or it is an assignment due that i didn't get done on time or whatever something pops up yeah and i mean like between friday and monday like that's probably when i have most time to train but i also end up doing a lot more triage work especially my coaching work like i do a lot of that between friday and monday so as a result like if i'm behind on that i just have to prioritize that over over my training so as a result the push pull legs approach has been working quite well for me recently and you know you might say oh, but isn't um, a higher frequency approach potentially more optimal? And like, yes, potentially more optimal, but but this isn't about optimal necessarily. It's about practical because there's no point setting up the perfect three-day full body program with higher frequencies if you end up missing sessions because of of subsequent fatigue or recovery deficits. So for me, push-pull-legs approach, somewhere between eight to 12 sets per muscle group per week which again is on that lower end of the volume recommendations we typically provide but remember it's not necessarily my priority to push those things things to the max i think that's a really important point to impress upon because what people always think when we say oh you know you want to be doing 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week maybe 15 to 25 if you're really putting an emphasis on a particular muscle group People hear that and they hear 20 to 25. They don't hear the bottom end of the range. And they also hear 20 to 25 for all muscle For all muscle groups, yes. And the reality is that, especially if you're doing another sport, like aiming for the bottom end of the range, at least on most muscle groups, is probably wise. And the way that I would approach it then if I was trying to maybe, let's say I was really focusing on my chest, is I might push the remainder of the muscle groups down to that 8 to, eight to 12 range, and then I might do 15 sets per week for chest, something like that. So that works really well for me, um, given the limitations. And then from the, I guess, the cardio side of things, like jujitsu obviously takes care of a lot of your cardio gains, which is fantastic. And I'm kind of deliberate enough with that too, where, for example, if we go to a standard jujitsu class, what typically happens is you do all your drilling and then... You do a warm-up. Yes. How are we going? Blue belt, bro. Well, no, to be fair, you need your purple belt first to skip warm-ups. But uh, yeah, basically you do your warm-ups, then you'll do some drilling, then maybe some specific sparring and then kind of open sparring, something like that. So the thing is with the standard class, sparring is a little bit, especially if you're in an advanced class with the color belts, it's, it's a bit harder to take it easy. You know, you can try and take it easy, but if you're getting smashed, you just have to, you know, work hard and especially frustrate them yeah I mean, come untappable 
yeah. <laughs> easier said than done with the black belts. But if you're, you know, if you're, even if you're with someone that's at your level that you've maybe a bit of a rivalry with, or they're like your gauge of where you're at, you want to have a good role and you want to go hard. So that end, they end up being very anaerobic, I guess. They're still heavily aerobic, but you're digging into more of those anaerobic components and you're going to be more fatigued after those classes, especially if you're doing like two hour classes. So what I like to do then at the open mat sessions is I'll treat those as almost like my aerobic workouts. So I will, you know, say before a row, okay, I'm focusing on this. I'll take my first few nice and light and maybe one or two hard rolls. But in general, I'm trying to pace myself. I'm trying to keep the heart rate down a bit. And I'm trying to focus on finding that balance between using my fitness and actually being able to preserve my skill, because that's effectively the purpose of those sessions. It's not necessarily hard sparring. So that's my kind of approach at the moment. And then I'll supplement that with some additional aerobic work, somewhere between maybe one to two hours per week, ideally. But if I get an hour, I'm doing pretty well, you know? So that might be something like either steady state on the bike or another piece of cardio equipment, maybe going for a run, or I'll often, you know, go for a long walk or a hike with my girlfriend where my heart rate, heart rate might be between 120 to 150, maybe if we're going hiking. So that again would contribute to my overall aerobic load. If I had more time, and especially during the summer and stuff, and when I have time off, I would do more of that. But for now, it's just not practical. So that's kind of what I tried to prioritize. Now, the anaerobic side of things, which absolutely improves your aerobic fitness too. I really like um, just hard, short intervals. So typically something between 20 and 40 seconds in duration, sometimes a little bit longer. Um, I'll do those on the assault bike, or if I'm in a gym that has all the pieces of equipment, I might do the rower, the skier, the biker, things like that. I'll very rarely do things like running sprints because they just take so much out of you. If you're just trying to focus on anaerobic fitness rather than like actual running performance or field sports performance, you're just leaving yourself, at least for me, in a position where you're getting loads of extra hamstring and adductor soreness that's just unnecessary really for the, the benefits. And also like if you're doing jujitsu, <clears throat> like someone heel hooks you or something, yeah, and then your ankle's a bit at you, like you can't, you can't really sprint with that. Whereas you can go on the fucking bike yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about things like the assault bike is that they're primarily concentric. So you're, you're, you're never taking like the landing force absorption, eccentric loading that you're taking when you're doing running. And that's why, although an assault bike or an echo bike session might leaving you feel like might leave you feeling like absolute death. Generally you actually wake up the next morning and you're like, Oh, I actually have no muscle soreness. Yeah, or even later that day, you kind of yeah. feel like you're like, I actually feel better. Whereas yeah. you go for a sprint and you're like, I still feel fatigued yeah. after that. And to be fair, like early on, that mightn't be the case because there is, there definitely is muscle damage that comes from concentric activity and especially very metabolically demanding activity. When you're accumulating a lot of metabolites from that really fast um, energy substrate conversions and stuff, that does affect your muscle tissue and it can lead to muscle soreness and muscle damage, but it's, it's far less pronounced than eccentric activities like lifting or sprinting, etc. So that works really well for me. And I definitely get a lot of benefit from that. And I think if I can get two of those sessions done per week on top of everything else, fantastic. During the summer, I was doing probably up to four sessions of that per week, but it's, 
it's very, it's very rough in terms of kind of systemic fatigue that you tend to develop. So if I, if I did that, a really hard interval session like that in the morning, like my head is a bit fried, to be honest, for the next few hours. So that's not ideal if I'm going into the hospital or I have to study or I have triage work to prioritize, like in a deep work phase for two hours or something. So for me, two, if I get two interval sessions, I get an extra hour of steady state aerobic uh, work on top of my jujitsu. Then I got my three strength sessions. Like I'm delighted if I get all that done. So talk us through the week, like Monday to Sunday. How does that look? Okay, so Monday, let's I'll, ideal I'll, week. Yeah, ideal week. Okay, so Monday I'll typically do a nogi jujitsu session. So that's morning or evening. Evening. So that's a fixed session. Then I've got Tuesday. I've got gi jujitsu evening. Wednesday open mat. Thursday gi jujitsu. Friday open mat again. Sometimes I'll go Saturday, but generally I'm picking four of those days. So a, a, a great week for me would be lifting on Monday morning, jujitsu on Monday evening. Um, typically not Tuesday morning, because if I train in like Monday evening and I've done the morning before as well, I'll try to prioritize my sleep then to recover on the Tuesday, go back in for jujitsu on Tuesday evening. Um, then Wednesday, let's say Wednesday morning, I lift and I'll do one of those interval sessions. And then Wednesday evening, I'll do my open mat. That finishes a bit early, which is nice because open mat's only on until about six o'clock so i can prioritize work then on wednesday evenings then thursday um we're you know sleeping in again um, not necessarily sleeping in but not so um, five yeah. yeah so five obviously um but I, I won't generally train on a thursday morning then i'll train thursday evening again and then maybe i'll lift friday morning and do my uh, or t- t- actually i t- don't really lift on a friday morning i'll do the uh, open mat on friday evening and then saturday is when i'll get in my last strength session typically some cardio um and maybe a hike or something yeah maybe a hike or something sunday as well i do some cardio as well um so yes typically saturday and sunday i'll like catch up on my cardio that i haven't done because sometimes i end up caught for time and i don't have time for intervals or whatever um but yeah that's i guess that's kind of the ideal week splendid and again i'm not going to rehash a lot of the stuff that you brought up a lot of the, the considerations um, because again, mine are similar. However, as we've discussed, my goals do diverge from Gary's a little bit, and I focus a bit more on what we'll the muscle gain process. And as a result of that, I definitely have to prioritize resistance training. Yeah. Right? But for me, that looks like about four resistance training sessions per week. That's on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Thursday, and a Friday. And the way I do it is I do a lower body and then an upper body. Because like Gary said, I just found like like full body, it just you don't have a chance to actually recover certain like musculature, certain joint structures, whatever. Right. And also in those sessions, I'm not doing these like big, uh, hugely multi-joint exercises. Like I'm not doing a squat because uh, for example, a squat, that's just going to fatigue my shoulder girdle, fatigue my low back, fatigue my legs. That's It's basically a, a total body exercise, even though I do stuff like hack squats and they do you know get similar muscle groups. It's just less fatiguing on all of the, we'll call it the secondary muscles and joint structures, right? Even though it actually potentially is more fatiguing on the actual structures that I want, such as my quads, right? Um, so for me, that's the way I do it. I do a lower body and then an upper body the, the next day, right? And for me, that definitely works way better in terms of fatigue management um, because then I know at least if I'm going to go into like the way I do it is resistance training in the morning, four days per week, jujitsu sessions in the evening, four evenings per week, all on the same days, right? So that'll be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 
right? I, that's for me, I would prefer to just basically get fucking smashed on those four days and then have the other days to recover with, right? Now on the Saturday, I do actually do some cardiovascular work, which we'll come back to. Um, but for me, I need to do a little bit more volume because I am trying to gain muscle, right? I know I can get away with like, you know, six sets per week for a muscle group if all I'm trying to do is like slowly edge performance better. Um, so I don't need to do a huge amount to maintain. However, I do find that I need to do a lot to really start pushing the boundaries with gaining. And as we've discussed, I have about five kilos to gain and I've been training for 15 years. So it's not like it comes easy. So I kind of have to really prioritize that stuff, right? So for me, the focus, the muscles that I'm focusing are my back and my legs. And that's purely because I actually just think they have a greater potential for growth. Like I don't really care if my chest looks bigger. Like it really, it doesn't matter to me. It's already too big. He's yeah. in uh, but anyway, um, I don't really care if it looks bigger. It's not necessarily yeah. an aesthetic thing that I'm going for. I'm looking for the most bang for my book. And if I get my back bigger, that's potentially more beneficial for jujitsu, mm -hmm. you know, and my legs getting bigger, potentially more beneficial for jujitsu because I already have quite long legs. If I had like these short stubby legs, then maybe that wouldn't be beneficial for jujitsu. But the fact that I have long legs, you know, getting them a little bit bigger, making triangles a little bit tighter, that kind of stuff, it makes sense. And obviously, I would like to grow some calves. That would be, you know, a lifetime achievement. Unlocked. Unlikely. In fairness. Uh, it is unlikely, but I do actually do about whatever, what is it, four, eight, 16, about 16 sets for calves per week, right? So quite a lot of calf work, right? Um, so for me, I'm kind of prioritizing my back and my legs, right? So they get more volume. And as a result of that, my chest, shoulders, they get a little bit less volume. Now, I would like my arms to get a little bit bigger because, again, that is kind of beneficial for jiu-jitsu. And, Definitely. look, I'm not going to lie, I would like to have, you know, some fucking 17-inch pipes just hanging out of my sleeve, right? Um, that would be quite beneficial, quite ideal in my world. Absolutely. Right? Um, so that's where they're the muscle groups that are getting a little bit more volume. The chest, the shoulders, and some of the other muscle groups, they're just not getting as much volume. Like my hamstrings, I'm not putting as much of an emphasis on them because I don't think they have that much of a potential for, you know, massive growth, you know? And also I feel I can get them quite effectively done with even just a secondary, you know, fucking tension. You know, I do some sort of squat variation. It's getting the hamstrings to some extent, you know? Mm -hmm. If I do a hip hinge, it's really getting the, the glutes in the low back, but it touches on the hamstrings, you know? Um, so look, that's the way I'm kind of setting up my sessions. We're doing four resistance training sessions per week. And then we're doing four jujitsu sessions per week. And like I said, I'm basically just doing whatever the instructor says to do. Three of those sessions are like I am in Grissy Baja. So they have like GB1, GB2, GB3. GB1 is for like, you know, beginner sessions. GB2 is for like, you know, call it colored belts. And then GB3 is like black belt level. Now you're allowed to go to GB3 once you have like a blue belt and above. It's not like you're only allowed to be black belt, but the classes are you know relatively quite advanced. Like they just presume you have all the basics. They presume you have all the knowledge. It's not like they're going like, and this is how we position our hand here or whatever. It's like, this is the grip we're getting. I presume you know how to get a grip, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and then they'll go through like an advanced move or whatever, right? So for me, I go to two 
GB3 classes, which are 90 minutes long, and they're on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So I know those training sessions are a little bit more intense, they're a little bit more cognitively cognitively demanding. And because they're 90 minutes long, we usually do like, like I said, that general class structure. And then for the last like 30 minutes, it's basically like positional sparring and then sparring. Like everyone in class basically spars everyone you know for the last 30 minutes it's like here sometimes it might be a five minute round sometimes it might be a 10 minute round i like the 10 minute rounds because i like yeah. to frustrate people because again as i said that's my that's my my shtick um but that's that's the way the classes goes right on the monday i do a gb2 right so it's a little bit less advanced but it's still advanced enough and it's still you know whatever challenging enough that i'm getting a good training stimulus but it's not so challenging that i go into that tuesday session and i'm feeling really fatigued either in the morning session or the evening session wednesday completely off for me i was doing some cardio on that day previously but i just found for me at least like uh psychologically i just wasn't really as interested in training then on the thursday you know whereas if i skip that day i don't do any training i just get my steps in so i'm still active and mm-hmm. um, I find that I'm like fucking ready to go for the Thursday session. I'm like, right, I want to actually, I actually want to train rather than being like, oh, here's this other thing on my schedule, which is a really important thing to understand that even though we're talking a lot of time about like physiology, like what's the physiological response to this in terms of like, how do your muscles respond? How does your fucking nervous system respond? Like the nervous system response does actually affect like the psychology, right? And I want to go into a training session and want to train. I don't want to go into a training session and be like, I'm just kind of like, punching my ticket just kind of really just lackadaisically ticking the boxes right sometimes you have to do that sometimes you're just in a fucking rut with training and you just have to you know stay ticking the boxes stay keeping the groove stay doing whatever but for me i know if i just give myself a break in between those you know sessions basically have wednesday off i go into that thursday session i'm like let's fucking smash this right and i'm also a little bit more recovered for that lower body session which is also the day that I do RDLs, <clears throat> which is probably my most fatiguing exercise. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because again, it's one of those exercises that gets fucking everything. Mm-hmm. Up. Like literally, I feel that when I like, do enough volume on them and do enough like intensity, like I feel it from the tops of my trap all the way down to like the back of my kneecap, you know? So I'm like, I know I'm getting a good training stimulus with that. It's not just like joint fatigue or whatever, mm-hmm. right? I do also do them banded. So it's a little bit more tension. It's about hundred kilos extra at the top of tension. So I do like whatever, 240 for eight. So it's about 340 at the top, which is fucking like, it's pretty ridiculous, but you know, that's the fucking strength curve of the exercise. It, you're able to do that, right? But it is quite fatiguing. So I know then that Thursday session that I do, which I said was a 90 minute session. It's one of those GB, GB3 sessions. First of all, on that resistance training session, I keep the volume just a little bit lower. And that's not by virtue of like doing less sets or less reps or whatever. I just choose exercises that I know are a little bit less load intensive. Like I'm not going to do like fucking heavy RDLs into heavy good mornings into fucking whatever else. Like I'm, I'm choosing a little bit lighter exercises as a result of that. Still feeling the muscles work, still getting a good training stimulus, but it's not like lifting fucking tons, right? So that Thursday session is probably my worst session in terms of fatigue and the Thursday night jujitsu session. And like, sometimes I will notice that um, because I'll be like, you know, rolling, like currently the guys that I roll against are all like either the same weight as me or heavier than me, which is, you know, good because you have to really focus on technique then, but I'll know that like, 
if I wasn't as fatigued, especially like my abs will get fatigued from doing the ordeals or whatever. Like I know I'll be like, oh, like I don't have that extra little like punch mm-hmm. up to get like fucking, I don't know, into a position because I know I'm a little bit fatigued, right? Especially if we do a lot of conditioning at the start of the class, which you know, sometimes you might do, you might be like, right, we're doing like position specific conditioning, you know, like you might be doing like spider guard and you're doing like weaving the legs in and out or something like that. And I'm like, I'm feeling my abs a bit more than I would ideally like to. But anyway, so the Friday session, then a Friday is a fatigue day. Like I know I'm a bit more fatigued because I did that really hard session. And then I did a really hard jujitsu session as well. So for that day, I'm doing an upper body session, but I'm not focusing on the, the heavier lifts, right? That was basically done on the Tuesday, the upper body session. And like I would say, for example, I would focus on chest and back on that Tuesday session. Whereas on the Thursday session, or sorry, the Friday session, I'm focusing on upper body again, but I'm focusing more on like shoulders and back because shoulders, are, you just go lighter on them. You're just not able to lift as heavy. And even though I'll do something like some sort of like incline press, which is still like the chest, like I just categorize shoulders and chest all together because they basically get worked in the same exercises. But anyway, um, I will do those kind of together, the shoulders and back, because it's a little bit lighter. It's a little bit easier to do. It's a little bit less cognitively demanding. And again, I can still get a good stimulus from that. And then that Friday jujitsu session is GB1. So it's basically just the fundamentals, mm-hmm. the basics. It's a relatively easy class. It's a nice way to just close out the week. I usually I'll be the demonstrator with the instructor who like, you know, goes through the things. So I feel I can get a better grasp because I'm kind of anticipating like, what is he going to ask me to do in this? Or like I'm showing moves. So it's, it's good for the, from the perspective of, you know, thinking jujitsu, you know, rather than just being like, I'll just go to class and yeah. do whatever they tell me to do. I'm like, no, actually I need to think a little bit, you know? And then on the Saturday, I'll do some cardiovascular conditioning and this purely aerobic because at the end of my resistance training sessions on those four days, I will do some anaerobic conditioning. And for me, that usually looks like on the lower body days, I'll do the assault bike. And then on the upper body days, I will do the rower, right? So I alternate between the two of those, even though they basically both get your upper body and your lower body. It's not that fatiguing for me, at least. And if anything, it just contributes a little bit to some hypertrophic stimulus. so that's the way it works for me. And for those, I'll generally do some sort of like hard, either alactic or lactic conditioning. So either like you know, below 10 seconds or you know, we'll say 20 to 30 seconds. And then I'll give myself, you know, quasi-complete rest. So I'll do like 10 seconds on and 50 seconds off. And that 50 seconds off is active rest. So I'll just like if I'm on the rower, I'll just you know keep lazily like pulling it. Now, ideally, you would like you know, two to three minutes for like full rest, full ability to go ham on it again. But for me, I'm like, that's enough to give me 90% back to where I want to be. Right. So and if I get better aerobic conditioning, you know, potentially I could even get better, right? Um, so that's the way that goes for me. And again that gets me nicely done anaerobically and well, anaerobic is not, alactic is not anaerobic, but you get the idea, right? Um, And then on the Saturday session, I'll do like 60 to 90 minutes of just aerobic cardio and I'll do whatever, 120 to 150 beats per minute. That's just the target heart rate zone. And what I'll generally do is just jump on the cross trainer and then load up a jujitsu video, uh, like an instructional or something. I don't know, I'm going through like a a Danaher instructional at the moment. um, And I just watched that for the 90 minutes. So, I could go to jujitsu class, 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 
what I find I am way too fatigued. If I was competing and I was like, I'm really going for competing, I probably would swap that one out and do an open mat and just use it as like some sort of like competition class and just be like, right, I'm going to like get better at competing in this class, even though I would you know, kind of be fatigued after those last two training sessions. But the Friday night session, I feel quite good waking up on a Saturday morning. Um, but either way, I do 90 minutes, well, 60 to 90 minutes, just watch a video, just watch the instructional, take any mental notes that I need to. And then that's me. And then on those two rest days, the complete rest days that I have, the Wednesday and the Sunday, I basically just get my steps in. There's no mm. formal exercise. I'll go for a walk. I will, usually I kind of fast on those days. Like I'll do like intermittent fasting, purely just so I can focus on work in the morning and just be like, right, I don't have to think about it getting my steps in or I don't have to think about this, whatever else. So I can just be like, yes, I get to have a bigger meal on the fucking lunch and that's it. I just focus on my steps. Yeah. And one thing you said in there, I just want to pull back on for a minute. And that is a lot of the time when people set up some of their training sessions, they'll actually make them more fatiguing by making them more hype focused, listening to their really intense music. Whereas I think uh, you made a very smart, deliberate decision on your aerobic day where you're actually listening to John Danaher, who probably keeps your heart rate down, puts you to sleep. In fairness, I listen to it in like double speed, so he's a little bit faster. Yeah. For those who don't get the reference, like John Danaher is, is he's basically a jiu-jitsu coach, probably the best. If a not, wizard. One of the best, if not the best in the world. But he also has a PhD in philosophy. So I don't think he finished his PhD, but he was doing a PhD. Yes, he was doing his PhD in philosophy. No, I think he did finish it. I don't it. think he did. Anyway, basically, you get the idea that he's, he's, he's very philosophically minded. So you could be talking about like gripping the collar of the gi and he could probably talk about it for 40 minutes just talking about it all. Uh, but he's a very calm, soothing voice while also having a tinge of this guy could murder my whole family. Yes, absolutely. You love to see it, really. really yeah. Um, so, yeah, good choice, Patty. Um, so that's the basic bones of both yep. our programs. And as you can see, that's how they diverge based on our different goals. Now, we could get into the volume, the intensity, and all that kind of stuff, but it's actually not that helpful, right? Even though we spent episodes talking about that stuff, it is specific. Like both of us, I can pretty much presume, we work in the, whatever, six to 15 rep range, yeah. you know? Some of the exercises I'm doing in a higher rep range, and that's purely because I've stacked the machines, you know, where I'm like at the fucking limit of those machines or they're like bicep work. Like I'm not going to do a fucking six RM bicep curl you know it my technique just fall apart it'll just be like you know i'm trying my elbow around and i'm not actually yeah. keeping it strict right so i'll just do a higher rep so, so i can keep it lighter so that i can keep my technique more standardized even though you kind of would think it's a little bit opposite because you get more fatigue and you're like well i could really just focus for six quality reps but the weight you know oftentimes there's too big of a jump between weights mm -hmm. you know like you're doing like say a cable machine or a dumbbell it's like there's a fixed next jump you know and if maybe you want to like a half a kilo or something and that would allow you to do your six rm but it's often not practical and like yeah you could say oh you know, just find it like get a, a pin stack or, or whatever and you can add more weight and you can you know go ways around this but i have two training sessions to do pretty much every day i train i'm not going to spend an extra 15 minutes in the gym fiddling around with whatever like my resistance training session and my cardio session in those mornings in the in the and monday tuesday thursday friday they take an hour an hour 15 that's it. You know, I'm done after that. Right. And like, I'm not going to spend two hours in the gym. Like, yeah, I could, you could argue that it's better for me because my goals are like hypertrophy. I can get more volume that way and whatever else. 
but it's just not beneficial for my overall recovery. And also I have a business to run, you know, yep. like I get up early, go to the gym, do my gym session. And then I have at least a 10 hour workday to do in between the jujitsu training session in the evening, you know? So recovery and time management has to be on point. Now I, it is kind of ideal because where I live, my gym is literally 30 seconds. Yeah. I only, I only learned that and it definitely surprised me. Like it's literally below his gas. So yeah, yeah. no excuse really. It's, not. To it's quite ideal. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like I could literally, if I'm like getting bored, I could go down and do more curls. Right. Um, so that's important. Now we basically talked about, you know, you know, our general program design, we could get into like specifics, like are there any like strength standards that you're like focusing on? There's not, not necessarily any for me, because as I said, like I'm at a surplus, if I wasn't, or not at a surplus, I'm at a surplus of strength. Yeah. And if I wasn't, maybe there would be some strength standards that I'm like, I would like to hit this specific strength standard. Like if I had a new jujitsu athlete coming in, they've never trained before. I'd like, yeah, I want you to hit roughly these numbers. And mm. um, do you have any numbers off the top of your head that you're thinking of or that you're chasing yourself? Yeah, I mean, like I've I've met basically, I think, all the strength standards that, that I think someone should try and fulfill. So that's why I'm not kind of too focused on it anymore. There's some that I'd like to push up another bit. But for me, like someone asked me this on Instagram the other day, and I think the numbers I cited would be like for someone who's, let's say, doing another sport or they want to be strong enough that they've satisfied most of the benefits they're going to get from extra strength or muscle. I think if you can get, you know, above a double body weight deadlift, which isn't a very high standard, to be honest, like it's like, you should be able to achieve that. Like, like a double body weight squat. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, decent level yeah, of strength. And, and, and that, for that reason, I, I say like, you know, I think if you can get like close to a double weight body weight squat like you're flying it really oh, man, you yeah know? you're like you're you really are yeah you're flying it then if you can get to there like i think like if you look at like elite powerlifters or strongmen you'll sometimes see that their squat is even greater than their deadlift but that's often that's something you'll only really see at higher levels higher body weights like in general people are going to be able to deadlift more than they can squat especially generally also because they're not using like straps yeah you know like if they were to put on straps which is the weak link for most people yeah. which is the grip all of a sudden their deadlift is better than their squat again you know yeah and mine is significantly better to be honest i think the most i've deadlifted is something like two 230 or 235 or something at a body weight of maybe mid 80s kilos so like that's more than enough like i can't be arguing i can't be saying oh i need to get my deadlift stronger for jiu-jitsu like that's just silly so like so if you can get a double body weight deadlift maybe two to 2.5 you know if you want to be aggressive close to a double body weight squat i think if you can get a 1.5 times body weight bench but even one to 1.5 your grand really um overhead press if you can get anywhere near one times body weight like unreal but that that's probably the mo a more aggressive standard i think 0 0.75 to one yeah. times body weight is what you should be looking for i would for. say like 0 0.8 you're like you're fucking good yeah you're doing good there um some people just really struggle with that especially like i have i have relatively long arms like you obviously have long arms um it's there's a there's a lot of movement overhead you know with an overhead press and that yeah, like mine is so much better if i like stop like can't see it on the video if i stop at like chin height i'm like yeah. fucking one times body weight 1.2 times body weight fucking handy <laughs> well, i actually have to like 
bring it down to here. Like you can't really see it in the video, but my elbows have to tuck in before yeah. they can go back out. Yeah. And it's just like knocks off like 50 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, if you're getting anywhere near that, like you're flying it. Um, and to be honest, like people always ask as well, like when I say these things, like, oh, are, are they different for females? And they're actually not that different, assuming you're lean. Obviously, if you've got an excess of body fat, there's yeah, like if you correlate for difficult. or control for lean body mass oh yeah like they're they're fairly similar i would say women actually potentially have a greater propensity for strength in certain exercises yeah at least what i would typically do if you're, if you're trying to look at this from a female perspective i'd bring the, the bench and the overhead press down and the squat and the deadlift standards relatively similar you know and like for example in my in my book like a 60 kilo female, and this could be wrong. This is totally arbitrary. 60 kilo female is kind of akin to 75 to 80 kilo male. Like they're relatively equivalent. If you look at average male heights, average female heights, and average levels of body fat between the two, like they're kind of along a similar standard. So when I look at my own strength standards, I kind of view that as like, all right, would a, would a 65 kilo female be able to lift around the same level proportionally? Like, yeah, you know, if you can get a double body weight deadlift at, 60 kilos that's 120 kilos and i have a lot of i've had a lot of female clients over the years who've, who've met that standard so i don't think it's it's too far beyond um, and obviously we should also like caveat all of this that like there's no actual like required exercises no. like a deadlift might be fucking just woeful yeah. for you you know you might be actually way better with something like uh, a rack pull and you're like yeah. this is actually just this is how i'm going to actually get my strength standards achieved and then you might have to change them slightly or like a squat you might do better with a front squat which again you might have to change the actual standard you might do better with like a safety bar squat a hack squat like you know you know what i mean like these are just arbitrary it's just because you know if you go anywhere in the world you can probably do some sort of squat you can probably do some sort of deadlift now they might not have the actual equipment or whatever like it's actually pretty hard to do a squat if you don't have a squat rack and unless you're going to do one of those stuff what are they called Hackenschmidt squat? No, Hack no, they're not Hack. They're. Uh... It is a German name, I think. Yeah. Isn't it? Um... Anyway, fucking, you're gonna just basically throw the barbell onto your back, <laughs> hold the barbell up straight, and then squat under it. You don't do all your squats like that, no? I used to, yeah. I do yeah, no yeah. clips either. Oh, of Balance. course, yeah. yeah. You have to get really fast to get that up. Um, uh, but yeah, look, I think if you're meeting those standards, like you're flying it, I do, I do like as well putting in like chin up, chin up and push up standards, just because if you don't have equipment, you can still say, right, you know, can I meet these? And I think if you can do, if you can do over five strict bodyweight chin ups as a female, like this is one of the areas where the standards are quite different uh, over five bodyweight chin ups for a female and somewhere between 10 and 15 strict bodyweight chin ups as a male, like you're doing pretty well. I think push ups, like I think push-ups should be easy enough for guys if you're fit like you should be able to do somewhere between good for you when you were 16 i said when you're fit i wasn't i did i wasn't able to do a push-up until i was 16 but yeah i don't consider that to be very masculine you know i would say that that's very effeminate of me in your peak uh testosterone production no my peak testosterone production is now <laughs> so i think you should be able to do 30 at least 30 like strict push-ups i think that's legit um and i don't mean like bouncing up and down i mean strict lockout like chest down to a fist at the bottom like 30 if you can do over 15 for a female again legit you know and i know you know lots of girls who can do that um so yeah if you're getting that spot on i think my fitness standards i think 
this is a more difficult one, but I think if you can run a, a, a 10K in less than 50 minutes, spot on. But again, not everyone's into running and some people are just prohibited because of injuries or niggles that they get and so on. And that's fine. I prefer like a heart rate. Just if you yeah. get your heart rate below 50, like you're fucking fit. If you can get your heart rate below 60, I'd be like, you're in a good position. You know, you're not going to die. Yeah. I mean, for, <laughs> for most people, like that's spot on. Some people will just have naturally low yeah, heart rates yeah, and yeah. still be unfit as fuck which is a different story. Um, but also I, I like the, I, I set some assault bike standards as well. Like if you're a female and you can do a 20 cal assault, is that what I said? 20 cal assault bike less than 60 seconds. That, that seems really hard actually. 10 cal assault bike, maybe less than 30 seconds as a female and a 20 cal assault bike less than 30 seconds as a male. Like that's legit, I think. Because the difference with the assault bike there is like, Obviously, there's there's an anaerobic component to that, but the heavier the heavier you are, the greater force you're going to be able to output each time you press your leg down. Anyway, so you do have to gravity. Like yeah, that. you do have to just make a bigger differentiation there between male and female. But but yeah, they're all obviously totally arbitrary. And if you meet none of those and you're doing excellent at your sport, forget I said anything. You don't you know you don't need to meet these things. They're just arbitrary, and, and people like those standards. And there's some good websites as well. I think it's strengthstandards.com or some something like that you can look at where you're at and like what i say to my clients is like you know try to get into the intermediate to advanced range on most of these lifts relative to your body weight and you're flying at that you know you don't need to be elite 100 so to well i just two things i want to wrap this up with first thing is are you doing anything specifically for athleticism because this is something that people always talk about like oh you do a sport are you doing anything specific for athleticism are you doing any like box jumps are you doing any like push presses or anything like that anything specific and then the second half of that is are you doing anything specific for like flexibility mm -hmm. you know and i suppose like seeing as we did talk about it previously in the last whatever two or three podcasts are you doing anything specifically for injury prevention mm -hmm. other than just choosing good exercises that are going to strengthen the potential weak areas of the body yeah so like athleticism is something that's kind of difficult to quantify, but when people say it, I know what they mean. You know, they know, they mean the things that don't fit into standard conventional strength training. So it might be doing more high velocity strength work, um, power or explosiveness or plyometric work. And I do a little bit of that, but, but relatively sparingly. The way I look at that is if I've taken care of all the other things I said I would do in the ideal training week, I might add in a bit of that. You know, some of the things I would do sometimes would be like an explosive step up or something like that. Um, typically, it's like unilateral explosive leg work because that is a bit more relevant for jujitsu, especially if you're doing like wrestling and stuff. Um, sometimes, you know, shooting and you have to be more explosive. So some of that stuff I'll, I'll put in every now and then, but it's not a high priority. For some sports, it can be a bit more of a priority. If you need to jump um, or sprint, really important that you're doing some higher velocity strength work um, and potentially reactive like landing drills and stuff like that. But jujitsu is primarily, once you're done with the wrestling, it's a ground activity. So you don't need to put too much emphasis on it. Especially if you're in the key, it's quite slow. Yeah, absolutely. Like Nogi, I, it is a faster pace. I do enjoy Nogi. So I think if you, but but that again puts you somewhere on that spectrum of the kind of anaerobic slash power strength activity. And when you're doing heavy strength work, 
you're training those systems that are going to allow you to be explosive already. It's just kind of adding the icing on the cake then by doing more high velocity strength work. So it can be useful for sure. I view it as the icing on the cake for me, um, especially because it's not really what I enjoy. I enjoy my kind of standard strength slash bodybuilding type I, training. I just get stronger and yeah, that makes me faster. Exactly. I mean, and that's, that's kind of how it works. So for jujitsu, I don't think it's a massive priority. I know you'll see a lot of like, martial arts training in general that people put a lot a heavy emphasis on that but i think if you take care of your basic uh, strength work and all the conditioning stuff that we mentioned first i think you'll get more out of that then in the end because you have to think about it like when you're when you're trying to develop like power as they say what you're trying to do is basically like take the strength that you've got and make it faster you know so now take the muscle and the strength that you've built and now be able to express that at higher velocities. But if you think about that, if you've got no strength in the first place, then you've got nothing to express. So deal with the strength first and then add on the high velocity stuff. That's yeah, like, yeah, I always think of it just like the shot push, right? Yeah. Or like even just throwing something, it's easier. Like if I get you to throw a bowling ball, mm. right? If you're not, if you're barely able to hold that bowling ball, I don't care how fast you are, how yeah. fucking explosive you are, it's just gonna fucking fall. It's just gonna be like, boop, straight down, right? Whereas if that bowling ball feels like a fucking, I don't know, a golf ball in your hand because you're so strong, you're going to be able to throw that further, mm -hmm. faster, stronger, fucking everything, you know? So get stronger, you get faster by product. And um, however, you do still have to train it. Yeah. You know, you can't just be like, oh, I got stronger and I hope to get faster. Like you still have to actually try to move fast, right? Absolutely. But you can do that in jujitsu. Yeah. And I mean, I do, I do have more of my field sports clients um, yeah. work on this kind of stuff, like where I'll do... Like typically it'll be something like, like I'm not getting people really heavily into Olympic lifting. I know people often think that, oh, if I want to be athletic, I have to do the snatch and clean and jerk, but they're really complex exercises. So why not just and do. And also, they're actually not even that good exercises for triple extension, which is yeah. what they're trying to charge or trying to train. Yeah. I much prefer getting people to do like taking those movements and breaking down their components so we can exploit the components of fitness we're trying to. So for example, a box squat at maybe 40 to 60% of your one rep max and performing that super explosively on the concentric. Like I really like that, you know, things like uh, jumping squats as well at lower percentages of one rep max can work quite well. Um, things like explosive push presses, they're all great options without having to go and spend months and years yes. developing excellent Olympic lifting techniques. So I like that sort of stuff. Now from a flexibility perspective, um, I'm not as flexible as yourself, but I do have uh, an above average level of flexibility, particularly for jiu-jitsu in terms of hip rotation, knee rotation, especially like I've got an abnormal amount of knee rotation um, and my shoulders are quite flexible as well. So I, I tend to find it relatively easy to do things like inversions and, you know, rotating my hip into different positions, which works really well for jiu-jitsu. So I haven't had to train it too much. It is something that I do think there's a bit of scope there that if I improved it, it could pot potentially improve some elements of my game. But the thing with flexibility is that in jiu-jitsu, at least, it sort of depends on the type of game that you're trying to play. So if you want to, you know, do lots of rubber guard and kind of 10th planet style jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Then you need you. And that's good for you because you've got, you've got like, long legs and flexible legs which is really annoying to deal with if someone's able to do that type of jiu-jitsu where choking people out with your shin bone that's oh yeah well that is beautiful. epic <laughs> whereas if you're like 
maybe from the Dagestani school where you're like more um, smash sambo type Khabib style jiu-jitsu, then you don't need to use as much flexibility or to do both or just do both. Yeah. But yeah, it depends what you're looking for. And for me, I do, I do use my flexibility for sure. I think it's something that I could do with probably I could benefit from improving on it further. Um, but again, it's one of those things that when I look at the relative return on investment, it's not very high up there for me at the moment. If I change my game and find submissions where, oh, I'm actually not able to execute this because of a deficit in flexibility, then I would work on that more. But for the moment, at least, not a high priority. I do some stretching. I'll typically do it like at the beginning of an open mat or something. I might take 10 minutes and just do some light stretching. Sometimes if I have extra time after a workout, I'll do some loaded stretching. But again, because of my time limitation at the moment, spending 30 minutes doing stretching just Ugh, it's not it's not um very rewarding for me i'm in the exact same position i have a surplus of flexibility i can do the splits both ways um, there's it's not really a huge amount no. to focus on with flexibility what i will do is like if i'm like sitting somewhere i might like you know put my leg in a stretched position yeah like, i definitely you know, do a lot of that like just just to kind of be like right let's you know hold this for a longer time or like i'll like we were saying i was i was in paris yesterday like I'll be waiting for a bus or something or a train or fucking whatever. I'll just sit in a deep squat position. Pistol and, squat, like, yeah. Well, I can do repeated reps of pistol squat. So yeah, I could do that. Um, but um, like just sit in a squat position, stretch out, you know. Yeah. Um, so something like that, like I suppose you could call that like flexibility work. But when I do do like some prep work before each training session. Like I've said it before, I have like Vikings disease. So I'll stretch that out just because I don't want to fucking have a claw for a hand. Um, Why not? Well, it would be kind of cool, but I don't think it'd be great for like grip and stuff. No. Um, so I don't really do a huge amount of flexibility work, but there is some in there as a just general component of my training and obviously going through the different movements and doing as full a range of motion as my joint structures will allow. Like it's kind of flexibility work. Like if you do, I don't know, a lying hamstring curl or a seated hamstring curl and you get to that kind of end range position and it's under load and you're getting stronger there that is flexibility work yeah. you know like your hamstrings are not going to be tight after doing that and if they are you're probably doing it wrong in the first place um but yeah look that's kind of the the, the bones of our podcast and stuff um the only thing i want to finish up on is the long-term projections like what do you see in the the next three to five to ten years maybe um, in terms of how do you think your your game is going to mm. not necessarily your jujitsu game, but how do you think your overall structure is going to change? Because I think we will in the next episode talk about health stuff and what we do for health and what we would ideally do for health, and then like project that over yes. the next couple of years. Um, but what 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 are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, so for me, like I guess the the thing that stands out as a longer term goal really is obviously the jujitsu black belt. Um, not so much like competing in jiu-jitsu as such like I, I i'd like to do compete to compete every now and then but it's not a big priority for me um i want to get better i want to get my black belt again like you say i don't know it could be eight to ten years i don't know like if i'm you know graduating medicine and doing like some medical training like that's that's going to take a lot of my time so you know i might be able to commit as commit as much time but definitely the jiu-jitsu black belt is is on the you know, long-term goal. And you are only what, 27? 26. 26. I don't know why I always think you're a year old. Yeah, I'm 26. So like if I get my black belt for 35, like I'll be delighted, you know, because that means I have time to get a red belt as well. Because I think you need to be 40 oh, years yeah, black belt. Something like that, yeah. So 75, I get my red belt. 
Yes, sir. So yeah, I'll have time to get my red belt. Happy days. As I plan um, on living to 120, I probably will as well. Yeah, definitely. As well. Like that's definitely something that's been on my mind recently as well because of like, like my family history and the illnesses that are in my family and stuff. And obviously yeah, my we own. We can talk about that. Yeah. And that's something that's like for the next episode. But as, as I get older now at 26, I'm definitely thinking more about, right, how can I preserve my health going into my later years and stuff and obviously <laughs> my later years my 30s <laughs> i mean but i mean like you know in my 70s and 80s etc and i think you know obviously building ungodly amounts of wealth is probably priority number one exactly. because if you look at like predictors of mortality risk like poverty is probably one of the highest ones so um on education status in europe yeah so, a doctor yeah so that's the main thing really so we'll talk all in the next episode about how you can accumulate ungodly amounts of wealth in order to plan <laughs> no in all seriousness that's we'll leave it on that kind of cliffhanger that like health is definitely something that i view as the long-term goal along with the black belt anything else that comes is a bonus. Like I, I definitely want to get 140 kilo bench press just because, you know, yes. getting three, 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 three wheels, wheels on the bench yeah. is legit. So that's probably the only thing I care about getting. I like I've hit my deadlift and squat targets. I'm not too concerned about getting them heavier, but the bench, you know, you got to get that three wheel bench. I did a 140 incline bench and then shit myself. Nice. Not actually, but Lowered it nice under control. Beautiful. I was like, fuck, am I actually going to get this? <laughs> Hip shot up, everything. No, it was not good. Nice. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's anything else other than that, really. I'll definitely do like a marathon and probably like an ultra marathon at some point. But I'm kind of saving those things for like my later years. You know, when I'm in my 40s and 50s, I'll probably do like some mad endurance stuff, you know, run over mountains and stuff like that, just because why not? Like endurance is preserved really well into your later years um so i'll probably exploit that stuff when it comes to it too yeah but you're gonna be on trt and everything so. yeah once i'm done having kids like i'll be on trt and then i'll get my four plate bench but i'm kind of thinking these as my pre-trt goals oh yeah <laughs> pre and post usada is it absolutely yeah. anyway look i have nothing else to say we're going to a science museum so yeah later, we'll just cut it you know where to find us yeah all the stuff the usual we have coaching spaces love available. you lots like yeah goodbye